Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, is where I'm going to pick up this morning. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, verse 14, stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, In our text this morning, your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about spiritual warfare. Now, again, if this is your first time or or if you were here uh, over the last few weeks, we've been going hard at what... Paul is talking about. We just take verse by verse and we walk through. And as he finishes up this letter to the church at Ephesus, we find ourselves right in the middle of spiritual warfare. Like Paul is trying to equip them. So we've been talking a lot about how do we as Christians fight against the, the powers and principalities of this world, against the evil one, against the darkness that we see. And in Paul's letter to Ephesians, he continues every week. I feel like I say this every week and it's, it's Paul Uh, and it's truth, but he takes them back to the gospel, back to the truth of who Jesus is. And he reminds his readers over and over again that they find themselves in this already, not yet. And, And here's what I mean by that. They were on this side of the resurrection. This church that he's writing to, resurrection has already happened. So they were on this side of the resurrection. They had experienced Easter, if you will, for themselves, just like we did last week. Like they knew that Christ had already defeated the grave, that he had resurrected from the dead, that he's already defeated death. They know, they knew that this war has already been won, but, so that's that already, the war's already been won, but until Christ returns, there is a battle taking place at this very moment for your soul, for their souls, and I'm here to tell you this morning, for your, your soul. And this battle is not against flesh and blood, as Paul says, but against the darkness of this world, against Satan and all of his demons. And his one goal, Satan's one goal, known as the father of lies, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's good at what he does. He's full of deception. He's full of lies. And as Tony Morita says in his commentary, the devil is not firing laser-guided missiles from a distance. He is upon us. He's He's not in the distance firing these missiles. He's actually upon us, meaning he fights dirty by using shame and guilt and condemnation every day. And he knows, believer in here this morning, he knows your weaknesses And his whole fight is to expose them every day, day in and day out. So brother and sister, my prayer for us this morning, Christian here this morning, is that we would hear the words of Paul as a gracious wake-up call to stand firm, and as we looked at a few weeks ago, over the last few weeks, is to put on Jesus, to actually put on the person of Jesus, his grace, his love, his truth, his mercy, that we would put on God's armor, his belt of truth that Paul just talked about, that holds all things together, that Jesus is who he says he is, and then put on his armor, his breastplate of righteousness, that you, so that we can rest in his work, Christ's work on your behalf, 
how you can be real with your sin and suffering because as you put on his righteousness, now we saw again a few weeks ago that you're approved and your sin has actually been forgiven. So put on Jesus in his righteousness. You're no longer condemned. Instead, you're now made free in Christ. And as we see in our text this morning, the next part of our armor we're called to put on is our gospel shoes. So if you're taking notes this morning, your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Now, a few interesting things stand out here. If you're thinking about spiritual warfare, it's a bit odd that in the middle of a description for warfare, right? Fiery arrows, we're going to get there in a second, but this warfare, in the middle of this description for warfare, we see Paul use this phrase, gospel of peace. What does that mean? What is, what is gospel of peace? And I also think it's interesting that most of the armor Paul talks about seems to be defensive, a shield, a belt that holds all things together. Next week, we'll see a helmet. But the word readiness doesn't seem to be defensive. Let's dig into our, our word this morning. Let's see what the Spirit might have for us today, because I think we got to start here. What does Paul mean when he says the gospel of peace. Well, the good news is we don't have to look far, all right? As we've walked through this letter over and over again, we've seen Jesus as the truth. If you'll see on the screen behind me, chapter 2, verse 13 and 18. Chapter 2, ver yeah, verse 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ, his sacrifice. Verse 14, for he, Jesus, is our peace, who made both groups one, and he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself, what did he create? One new man from the two. What did that result in? It resulted in peace. Verse 16, he did this, Christ did all of this, tore down the wall of hostility, gave, offered his blood, his body on our behalf. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He, Jesus, came and he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Like, do you see this? Do you hear the good news of what Christ has done? That the Prince of Peace actually came to us. We were once far away. Non-believing. We were once far away, caught in our transgressions, caught in our sin, should have been, we were guilty. And the cost of our sin was death. But once far away, we've now been brought near through the ultimate sacrifice, through the blood of Christ. Y'all, family, went real Texas there, y'all. Family, Jesus is the good news of peace to us this morning. All peace is actually found through the blood of Christ. He bought it. He purchased it. He provided the way to peace because he is the Prince of Peace. And all who are found in Christ Jesus... If you proclaim Jesus as your Savior, you're now experiencing his, his peace now and forevermore. Now, just like the last few weeks, Paul's probably using imagery here. 
We went to Isaiah 53 uh, a couple of weeks ago as, as he talked about the belt and the, the breastplate of righteousness. I want us to look at uh, Isaiah 52 when we see this equipment for war- warfare, what Paul's thinking about. He's not necessarily thinking about the Roman guards. He's in prison writing this. He's not necessarily looking at the Roman guards and thinking, oh, well, we got this and we, we need this, this thing. He's thinking about the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Jesus, his feet are, is what proclaims peace to us. His feet is what brings peace. They make possible that, that, that make, it makes possible that this can actually be good news. So brothers and sisters, as you put on Jesus, as we prepare for battle on an everyday basis, may we put on our gospel shoes, if you will, the same ones that covered the feet of Jesus, who herald the good news, the prince of peace. And as, as we do that, as we ready our feet it's then that we will always be ready to do what? Well, to speak the good news. The good news of his blood bought, his cross, the cross bought, that Christ bought our peace. So what Paul's saying here, just to be very clear, he's saying, hey, remember the peace that you received. Think about that. Ponder on that. Remember that you were once far off. Remember what he's done to you and also what he's done for you. And also remember the words of Jesus in John 16 where Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me, through me, because of me, you may have peace. You have suffering in this world, but be courageous. Why? Because King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has conquered the world. Amen? And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying cling to that hope. Cling to the hope that the gates of hell will never prevail against our King Jesus. And because of that, because of all of this, be ready to share so that all may experience and know. Think about church planting. Think about what it would look like. Why, I said we do that. Why do we do that? So that more people might meet Jesus. We all need Jesus. So always be ready to share that. Be on your toes, if you will. I remember playing baseball with my dad all the time. This is kind of funny. I found myself at a volleyball tournament a few weeks ago. I can think back to my childhood, and I mean, it's like ingrained in my, my soul, in my mind. I hear it. Matt, be on your toes. Be baseball ready. On your toes. Like, on your toes is that phrase that I remember playing sports. And as I watched Ellie the other day, she, she rotated in, and she's there, and she was on her toes, but it was just something about a dad, you know, kind of looked like she might have been flat-footed. Ellie, hey, on your toes, let's go, be ready, be ready. That's what it means for us as Christians. That's what Paul is saying for us. In the middle of the defense is to actually be ready and on our toes. And so transition here, readiness for the gospel isn't defense. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this armor where it's so defensive where Paul says readiness for the gospel, that's actually offense. That's actually us advancing the good news. And I think Paul puts that here in the middle of this, all of the defensive armor because he wants to, them, to remind them that the goal is to stand firm. And when you stand, you don't just hold silent. 
Don't twiddle our thumbs and, and forget our calling. Don't just feel caught up in the everyday mundane things of, of Monday to Saturday. And on Sunday, we get encouraged and then we go back to our normal lives and we, we do our own things. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Be ready. Stand firm. Be on your toes. Stand firm for the glory of Christ. For the gospel of peace, putting on our armor is defensive. We put it on so that we don't get knocked down. We don't become deceived, but we do that. So in the end, we're standing firm. And now it is time to run, to put on our gospel shoes and to run with the readiness of the gospel of peace that you have once received. So let me, let me get super practical with this, with each of us this morning. For my Christians here this morning, if you... If you find yourself here this morning, you truly believe that Christ has saved you. He has saved you from an eternity in hell. And he's also saved you to a life full of beautiful adventure and absolute meaning, one full of hope and peace. Then tell somebody about it. Why, why do we sit back? We, we put up these shields and, and, and we become so defensive. And we should. Paul's not saying don't do that. He's saying you do that so that you can stand firm. And when the time's right, you tell people about Jesus. You tell people about the peace that you received, the love and the grace that you have received. Tell people about Jesus and what he's done to you in your life. Nothing, I'm convinced, will empower you for warfare more than sharing the power of the gospel. Nothing. You want to endure, you want to stand firm, be empowered by the Holy Spirit and share the good news of Jesus. You want to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy, run with the good news of peace to the nations, to your neighbors, to your children, to your spouse, to your coworkers, to your friends. Give them Jesus. Lead someone to Christ and you will never be the same again. Like if you've had an opportunity, if Jesus has saved you and you've had an opportunity to share your story with somebody and help lead them by pointing them to Jesus, you ought to never be the same again. That ought to stir your affections for more of that. Not for more of my story, for more of boasting and bragging on what Jesus has done. Man, I was dead in my sin and Christ Jesus forgave, forgave me. The gospel of peace is meant to be told. And we need to always be on our toes, ready to share. First Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be ready. Tell them of the hope you have in Jesus. And if you're like, well, I just don't know what to share. Think back to chapters 2, verse 1 through 9. Now, this is Matt Weaver paraphrase, but... I kind of just read, wrote this out. Like if I'm thinking about as I share my story, I want to share what Jesus has done. I was dead in my sin. I did what pleased me and not God. And for that, I was under his wrath. My sin cost God something. But God, one of our favorite passages we like to go back to, in all of his mercy, in all of his love that he had for me, he actually made me alive in Christ, with Christ I've been saved by grace. I've put my faith in Jesus. What a beautiful gift of God. And I couldn't do anything to earn this. 
Like that's the message of peace. That's the message of hope. Point them to Jesus and nothing else. And remember, in all of this, the Spirit of God rests on you. Like if Jesus is truly the hero of your own story, then trust him to speak hope and peace and life to everybody that you encounter. Trust him in that. And then if he's not the hero of your story, if you're hearing this and you're like, man, I I don't know what you mean by this. He's not the hero. I like Superman, Spider-Man. I have different heroes in my life, my dad, my mom, whatever it is. The hero of my life took me from death, dead at the bottom of the ocean, and didn't just, like, resuscitate me. He didn't just um, come and perform surgery. He actually reached down at the bottom of the ocean. I was dead in my sin. There's nothing I could do to save me. And he pulled me up, and he gave me a new heart. And blood, new blood, Christ's blood, began to pump through my veins and made me totally new. That all of my sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven. That his grace has been shed as he died the death I deserved on the cross. What beautiful truth that is. Why would I not tell that to everyone I can encounter? That is the hope that I have. And if you've never cried out to Jesus this morning, what is keeping you from putting your hope and your trust and your faith in Jesus? The one true hero that will never leave you, never forsake you, he'll never turn his back on you. And you're like, yeah, but I'm in a hard season. He's not left you. You're here today, which means he's still pursuing you. He still loves you. He's still breathing life into your very soul this morning. What a beautiful example of a true hero who came to us, came off of his throne, came to us, fully God, fully man, and is pursuing you in this very moment. Cry out to Jesus and put your faith in him today. Talk to me about it. Talk to a friend about that. Don't go another day without experiencing that grace. Now, that's, that's the, the gospel shoes, if you will. Right? We're on offense here. All defense, we're, we're protecting, and we're protecting so that we can stand firm. And we stand firm, why? So that we can herald the good news. You put on your gospel shoes and you can run. I like to think of gospel shoes for me are Crocs. All right? I love Crocs. That's what I think about. Like, they're the most comfortable shoes I have. I'd wear them today to preach if I could. My wife would not like that. Uh, but just think about that. Like, what, as you are going out to battle, what shoes are, are protecting your, your heart? What shoes do you have on your feet that you can run and endure and, and, and be in this for the longevity? Heralding the good news. And now, as we pivot, we see the call now is to put on Jesus, back to defense, We put on his shield so that we can extinguish, as we're going to see here, the flaming arrows from the evil one. So Paul transitions from offense back to defense. The next part is this. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now there's a direct correlation back to 12 here where Uh, In all of our defense armor that Paul talks about, this is the only one that he says with the evil one. Like there's a specific attack here from Satan, from the evil one. And so a few things here. Shields back then, like if you want to get very practical, shields back then were for battle were, were like something four foot tall, four foot long, and two foot 
wide. They'd make them in multiple layers of wood and metal and steel. They'd have an animal hide on the outside because they would, uh, they would be fighting against people who would dip their arrows in, in oil. And they would ready themselves and they'd uh, light that with a match or whatever they lit it with and they would uh, shoot flaming arrows at their enemy. That's how they would fight back then. They would launch flaming, fiery arrows at their enemies. And so these shields were actually designed to protect the entire body from head to toe. So imagine this shield right here protecting you. It even had a little lip on it that was covered in steel. So if if it came just right, it would hit that steel, protect your neck, protect your organs, all of your vital things. We're called to put on our shield of faith. And Paul draws this imagery just like he did with, with all of these through Isaiah, he now uses Psalms, uh, I think probably even Proverbs. Psalm 18 says this, God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates and I give thanks to him with my song. How about Proverbs 30, verse 5? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So as we put on Jesus, as we put on his shield, we can bank on Jesus fighting for us. We can trust in him that all of Jesus' promises are yes and amen. So when you think of our armor that we've put on and all of our, um, and all of our uses with the truth, around the belt, and all of our pursuit of his righteousness, and all of our gospel peace that we're sharing, we can take this shield of faith, and may the shield found, and may faith be found actually in all of these. May our faith be found in all of these. So the call here is for us to be a strong, confident believer in what God has done to us and for us, not in your own strength. Not in your own doing, not in your own power, but to be strong and courageous and to be a faithful warrior because of what God has already done to you and for you. And to tie it all in with his letter, faith believes that back in chapter one. So if you think about your faith, if you think about what it means to believe and trust, faith believes that back in chapter one, we really have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit that we really have been redeemed, that we really, I have faith that we really are now his, that we really do have the same power in us that raised Christ from the grave. I have faith in that. As a believer, we have faith that believes back in chapter two when Paul says we really are his inheritance. And as the enemy attacks, we have faith that God never will leave us or forsake us. Our faith, Christian, really believes that we've actually been saved through faith and that it is God's gift to us. Faith believes that back in chapter 3, that Christ dwells in our hearts, that we are rooted, as Paul says, and firmly established in his love, that we can know and we can have all, all of God's love, that we really can be filled with the fullness of God right now, and that we can have the boldness and confidence to have in him in this very moment. His whole letter points to this. His whole letter is is reminding them of the faith and the trust of what they have put in. So family, when the attacks of the enemy come our way, as a believer, Satan really ought to tremble. 
He ought to tremble before us because our faith, if you go through what Paul has said, if you listen and if you put your faith in Jesus, Satan ought to tremble before us because our faith actually calls down God's help on our behalf for us. That God fights for us and our hope proclaims this glorious truth that our faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit really has the final word. It's what I believe in, that our faith, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit actually has the final word over Satan and all of his demons. So family, may may they, Satan and all of his demons, tremble as our faith calls out to the name above every name. What hope we have in Jesus. The shield of our faith. So as we kind of think practically now, Paul said, he talks about these flaming arrows that the evil one is attacking us with. Like, what does that look like for you? How do we live this out on a Monday, on a Thursday, when things are just flying at us, when these arrows are flying at us, the evil one is attacking. Kent Hughes says, as we are battling in warfare, the enemy, he's launching repeated volleys of blazing arrows, temptations, strategies, deceptions, all to inflame us and bring our demise. But up come our shields of faith. And as we trust God in his word, into which hot arrows thud harmlessly. In our lives, we all have lust within us. We all have things that we desire more than God. And if we're not careful, those lusts become easy to ignite. And honestly, I I think it only takes the tiniest flame in our own hearts before there's this roaring, this roaring lustful desire set out to totally consume us. If you leave the door cracked for the enemy, he's very intentional. He is very deceptive. He is the father of lies. He is the tempter, seducer. He is the accuser, the condemner. His whole mission is committed to paralyzing you with guilt and shame. And he's really good at what he does. So I think as we face these fiery trials in our life, like think about it, the things that you go through, the things that I go through, I'm not perfect. I feel like I get hit every direction. Every day this week, I know I'm going to get hit with something. Am I going to believe in myself or am I going to put my faith, hope, and trust in Jesus? Am I going to cling to this truth of the gospel? Illness and tragedies, maybe even persecution in your line of work, standing up for what you believe in, I even think that we can experience uh, the fiery trials with great success. Because I think that great success leaves us tempted to lead to pride and to self-righteousness. But nonetheless, all of those moments when Satan begins to launch those arrows of doubt about God's goodness, about the hope and truth that you have of the gospel, when he launches arrows of skepticism, even about God's existence, when he launches arrows of rejection and criticism, hypocrisy, arrows of fear that lead to this anxious presence where you're walking around like, man, you're totally crippled by this anxiety because of what Satan is launching at you. It's then, brothers and sisters, that we need to take our shield of faith and actually believe the truth and the peace of the gospel. It's then that we cover ourselves with Jesus to withstand all of these fiery arrows that are coming at us. And so to be even more specific 
I mentioned quite a bit, but in closing, I, I want you to think through this in your own personal life. I mentioned Tony Morita's quote at the beginning where he said, the devil is not firing laser-guided missiles from a distance. He is upon us. I don't know you as well as yourself, maybe as well as your spouse. I know me, and I know my spouse knows me. I don't know what tempts you, but I think if we're going to stand firm in our faith, then every single day we ought to be a people on our hands and knees begging God to give us the affections for the Son, for the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, because we need him. We need Jesus. We need to cling to the truth of who he is, what he has done to us and for us, what he promises to now do in us. So I, again, I know myself well enough. Any sense of success for me is going to lead to self-righteousness. It's going to lead to pride. If I don't have faith and trust that God is my provider, it will lead me to pride and self-righteousness. I also know myself well enough that any sense of despair when things don't seem to be going my way, they're going to lead me to a dark valley where I begin to hear the lies of Satan, the whispers of his demons to me, and I'm going to start to believe them. I know that about me. I will start to believe them, and all of those lies will lead to death. So what lies are you hearing today? Maybe you're not hearing lies of, of uh, persecution and trials. Maybe you're hearing lies of success like the praise of man is actually better than God. That you actually live your life to be approved by your boss, by your spouse. That you care more about what people think about you. Your Instagram filter and your pictures and how many likes that you get and who comments and says what and what happens in your daily life. You care more about what other people do than God. The shield of faith for you is lifted up and it says, that's impossible. All of man's praise is folly, and they will leave you the very moment you are not enough for them. You don't have to work for their approval. The shield of faith says, I don't have to work for your approval, nor do I have to work for the approval of God. God has performed beautifully for me and my place on the cross. Therefore, you, brother and sister, Friend, you actually have never-ending value in God's eyes. I should release you. The shield of faith should release you from the strongholds of those lies that the enemy shares. Or maybe you find yourself in financial problems. And the lie that you're hearing is God does not provide enough for me. God doesn't provide enough for me. The shield of faith is lifted. And this is what the shield of faith says to you. That's impossible. And you know that's impossible because God's grace overflows to you in every way. He gives you everything that you need and he is more than enough for you. And you know that. Cling to that truth this morning. Maybe it's lies with terminal cancer or illness and you hear that God's punishing you. Your sins are not covered by the blood of Christ. He does not care about you. This could be with depression, this could be with anxiety, this could be with any sorts of mental illness, physical illness. You hear the lies that you're unworthy, not good enough. He's forgotten you. He's punishing you because of this sin. The shield of faith is lifted up. And this is what it says to you this morning. 
That's impossible. God never changes. As a believer, I am his eternal inheritance. What he has promised is that his love for me will never run out. He is with me in every situation, and one day he will take every illness and disease and wipe every tears from our face, and there will be no more of this pain. That is what you put your hope and your faith and your trust in, and how you fight those whispers from the, min- from the enemy. Maybe there's a time in your life where your character has been ruined by slander or gossip. Like you're, Maybe you're in that right now. People are chattering about you or something has been misperceived and you seem to, to have felt your character is now tarnished. And the lies that you might be tempted to believe is that God's not in control. He's not able to stand for you or with you. Brother and sister, the shield of faith for you in that moment is lifted up and says, that's impossible. Why? Because you have been made alive in Christ. He, Jesus, has actually secured you. You are his. He has adopted you. You are declared not guilty. You are accepted in Jesus. These aren't just words that I'm making up. This this is gospel truth. To stand firm, we have to fight. You have to know. Otherwise, those little whispers will turn into shouts, and those shouts will turn into yells. And if we're not careful, you'll start believing the lies of the enemy, and it's then that you become destroyed. It's then that you mess your marriage up because you felt like you needed something else. Your spouse wasn't enough. It's then in those moments where your one little gambling uh, experience has now exploded and you've hidden all this stuff from your spouse because your your financial uh, situation said you needed more and the whispers turned into shouts and all of a sudden you had this other life that you're living It's then that I have seen, just over the last few years, I have counseled and seen many people, many people mess their marriage up because they felt that they needed something different. I have seen people ruin families, generations of kids going through now a divorce, and and the kids are having to deal with this stuff. Like, I've seen and witnessed these little whispers turn into shouts where people begin to actually believe the lies. And if we don't fight them, then we start thinking, well, this is the truth. I'm not loved. God's not for me. He's not with me. He's actually not enough. I need this because people are telling me I need this. And we start seeking out and listening to these lies. Don't Listen to the lies that Satan whispers. They'll destroy you. Very simply put, they will destroy you. So in all things, please, may we be a church that takes up our shield of faith. May we believe in the truth of God that, again, all of his promises really are yes and amen. And as the fiery arrows are flying all around us, may we, Grace Church Alito, stand firm shielded by our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. And as the Spirit leads, as we fight those lies, would we have our gospel shoes on and would we be ready to point people to Jesus, that he really is more than enough, that he really did take me from the valley of of my despair and he turned my eyes to him. 
close with 1 John 5, 2 through 4. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden. Hear this, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. The faith that we have in the better hero, the better story, the prince of peace, a good father who loves you and is pursuing you in this morning, in this very moment. Father, would you help us? Lord, would you draw near to us as we try to decipher, try to figure out what it is that you are asking of us this morning. And it could be several things. It could be for some of us that you're just, you're just asking for, for our hope and trust. I think for those, we have to answer the question, will God be enough? And I think, I think the honesty there is that if that's us, if we found ourselves wrestling with, is Jesus truly enough? Can I bank on him? I, I think it's in that moment that that friend here today has realized that they aren't enough. And more than likely, they're here looking for some glimmer of hope Maybe they're looking for me to mess up so that they can say, aha, I knew it. And I, I'm not really for sure, but I, I know that if they're here today, that you have a plan for them, you have a purpose for their life, and I know that you're pursuing them. They walked through those doors. They've tried everything. The self-help, them being their own ruler of their world, and it just never seems to work out. I think the beauty of who you are to each of us now as Christians is this, that there's really not anything anybody can say that goes against my own personal story with how you've saved me. That's what you've done to me in my life. Sure, people don't have to believe me, but God, you got to do something with that. We have to answer for that. And so, Father, would you, would you give new eyes for those to see your goodness and your grace? Not hear it from me, but, but be wooed and drawn to you this morning. Would you give new hearts? Do what only you can do and save, save lost people. They'd hear that, that you really are the better hero more than themselves, and they put, they put their hope and trust in you. They turn from their sin and say, I can't do this anymore. And then for Christians this morning, I, I just pray for an awakening that we really do believe. Um, we believe your word, and that's twofold. We believe that you've already won, and now we find ourselves in the not yet, in this battle would you awaken 
our brothers and sisters who seem to be asleep and not really care that there's a, a war raging around them, that Satan wants to still kill and devour, that Satan would want nothing more than to, to mess their family up, that Satan would want nothing more than to whisper lies to them every day, to believe those lies, to mess their jobs up, to mess their life up, to be tarnished with, with foolish, pride, prideful, selfish decisions that we would make. How would you wake us up to know that there's fiery darts flying all around us? Would we raise up our shields of faith? Would we stand in you, stand firm, ready to fight? And then, Lord, would we do it alongside each other? I know that there's times in my life where I feel knocked down. I feel like my shield is weak, and there's been other brothers and sisters who have come along alongside me, and they've helped shield fiery darts for me. So, Lord, if there's men and women that just are a little weak right now, they're hurting. They don't want to believe the lies, but they are just hearing lie after lie. Lord, would you strengthen them by sending a brother or sister to them today? Would your spirit move? Would, it, would you give us a word for our brother or sister to help encourage, to pray for, that we really would be in this together? God, do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.